Hi, I'm Ray from Insert Quest here. My pronouns are they and she. This morning I'm talking to Mametos, an active exemplar of the RPGC movement in addition to making games. She also created a site to track and discover new games coming out of the Southeast Asian tabletop RPG scene. Uh, the website is called Across RPGC, which I think is a lovely name. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm very excited to hear about your new game, uh, Arc, which is currently up on Kickstarter. But first, would you mind further introducing yourselves for our audience? Sure. Thanks so much for introducing me. So I'm Omedos. I'm a Filipino game and graphic designer with a lot of years under her belt for illustration, uh, game design. But Arc is my biggest project so far and one of my passions for the past two years. I'm really happy to finally be here talking with you. Yes, um, it's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, it, uh, it has been fun trying to coordinate this. Uh, obviously, we both have very busy schedules. Um, your game arc currently up on kickstarter has been doing uh, amazingly uh well and i am so excited to find out more about that but first i wanted to ask you how you first became interested in making games and what your first forays into that were like so what first made you go hmm i'm gonna need to make a game <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't so much as I need to make a game, so much as uh, the, the fear of missing out, the FOMO. Because um, during that time, I think early 2019, um, there were a lot of Filipino game designers starting out and publishing uh, games on Itch. So mostly these were also friends who were active in the tabletop uh, hobby. And then because Itch made it supremely easy and seamless to start publishing games there was a sudden boom of people making their own works um posting it online and i thought hey this seems super fun <laughs> i should try making one about capybaras you made a game about capybaras <laughs> yeah it was my first ever game too oh wow that's that's pretty cool i have a lot of friends that are big fans of <laughs> capybaras uh so i'm sure they'll be excited to hear about that um and so you've made a few games or at least a few projects on itch because obviously i checked before coming on um what has the journey been like from capybaras to a game about fighting back against the doomsday <laughs> clock well it does seem like a quite a big jump but i guess since starting the that game design journey it's been I don't know, a lot of different experiments with mechanics and a lot of being more serious about certain... Like, I did have some games about memory, uh, games about legacy, but also throughout, I think there's also been an undercurrent of making games or mechanics accessible and also making it easy for anybody's stories and, uh, and also their own stories. Uh, something a friend mentioned before was that even in my previous games, I would always encourage people to make their own worlds or their realities through the power of props. So I think even though I've been making games about capybaras, about um, tiny stories, about gods who need to make big poems or bard-like proclamations, 
all of it has been underpinned by that desire to make anyone, whether new players or veteran, to make their stories. And that's something that I see reflected strongly on Ark. Yeah, wow. That's so awesome. I know that when I was new to playing role-playing games, I really didn't understand why anyone would play in a pre-created uh, mm. world. I always wanted to transcribe a new setting over these mechanics. I have since changed my uh, my <laughs> opinion in that regard. Uh, definitely, uh, if a setting is... Sometimes a setting is built for a mechanic, uh, or the mechanics are built for the setting, and they don't really make sense outside of that. Um, but I do still really love games where you are given tools to and license to create a world even if it's expanding on a world i think often people are a bit um i think it's very easy to feel like you don't have agency to mm. create new things and i think that a lot of newer games are specifically about the world i think a lot of newer games are doing more with that um how does that sort of stuff play into arc mm. um so i guess i'll call back to something you mentioned was that something that has been really helpful has been providing the tools to create and expand their own stories so i guess whether it's your own world that you've homebrewed or even heck um eberron or forgotten realms what matters really is that you're not um, penned in to a particular narrative and you could explore your own perspectives. With ARC, those particular tools are, I guess, being, I guess, a lot of kind of in-depth session zero tools. Um, mm -hmm. Like, it does guide you through a story, uh, I guess, story scoping process with the table, which I feel is better for making sure that there's buy-in into the story like we, we've heard of those memes where the the gm makes like this roman historical uh storyline in his head but then his characters his players show up with um, an alien or a a cowboy which um none of it is like none of them did things in like bad faith but i think with the right session zero tools um the common basis for understanding could be built up as a foundation and when you have that common understanding, it's much easier to expand that into stories that everybody can buy into. And throughout the game as well, there are the mechanics like the Doomsday Clock or the Omens that can make sure that your story is supported by subplots that actually contribute to the pacing. So for example, the, the Omens are built into the system. It's basically a way of saying, here are unresolved situations and if they progress without the players doing anything about it, the doom may come faster. So some neat uh, things like that, which which I really really so like do things like. you things you ignore accelerate. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's cool. Um, you mentioned oh man, I completely forgot what it was. You mentioned something, and I was like, oh man, yeah, that's just like <laughs> blank. And now, whoosh, God, the minute I I try to grab onto it, God. Uh, that's fair enough. Uh, so, obviously, we've been dancing around a bit about what ARC is. Um, 
how about we take it back to the beginning and you tell us what arc is obviously from the kickstarter i know that it involves a doomsday clock we've hmm. talked about omens and that doomsday um what is your pitch for arc mm. so arc is basically your system if you want time bound tense fantasy adventures where there is a real sense of the time running out it's built around the concept of a doom that will happen at the end of a real-time doomsday clock that will keep on ticking keep on ticking even though the players will try to affect the world around them so it makes for really high stakes adventures where you have really strong motivation to save the world or be the heroes before the world ends and that world could be the literal world where you're living or something more intimate it could be um your yeah so i saw yeah. this on the kickstarter page you mentioned that the doomsday that you're or this this clock to the end of the world sort of thing it can be these big dramatic events but it can you can also set your stakes uh lower so it might be the a, a parting of ways or a or a changing in your community um there can be a smaller ending i think there was another one that talked about the end of an era which i thought was a very good use of an idiom <laughs> yeah i really liked it a lot because um sometimes you want to save the world but sometimes you just want to you know stop uncle bob from ruining your wedding and that could be the doom for the story as well oh man i can't, i love fantasy wedding stories there's a <laughs> there's a um there's a dungeon crawl classic um zero character level um funnel um Ooh. that uh that takes place at a wedding that gets it's and it's very i remember when i listened to an actual play of it it felt very i don't know if this was the 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 adventure as written or something that the players had injected into it but it felt very much like a wedding in, in hobbiton uh and then it gets <laughs> invaded by these giant ants oh, no. <laughs> uh and it, and they're ruining the wedding and so you've got to go down into the ant tunnels to save the wedding um uh and obviously it doesn't have to be that dramatic but i do love fantasy weddings because i like i like seeing the ways you can you can make worlds different and familiar at the same time um what kind of a vibe for lack of a better word uh do you try to pour into the fantasy elements um <laughs> of your of arc like obviously what fantasy is is really broad how much of that uh how much have you tried to steer people towards specific energies of fantasy mm. um for this one i think it is um a hint of like dark fantasy with weird fantasy mixed in mm -hmm. uh like imagine if mork borg and troika had a weird baby <laughs> which actually now that i now that i'm saying it i'm like no i'm not sure if that would make sense either but there are some things hinted throughout the book they're they're never explicitly stated as like canonical for the setting you must do but mm -hmm. there are some mention of things like strange girls rising from the dead or witches brewing things in 
strange forests. So quite fantasy and a lot of the artwork really makes it look quite dark and I guess intriguing, I would mm. say. But at the same time, there's also some art that are quite hopeful. So it's it's a blend, but it's really like fantasy that isn't that doesn't want to be hemmed in by like generic Tolkien-esque um, yeah. tropes. Yeah. I think the first bit of art that I saw for Ark, I was really confused because for some <laughs> reason it brought to my mind the wind in the willows, um, which is a which is an English uh, children's book. Um, mm. uh, I don't know if you you might be familiar with it. I don't know, but you've probably seen art from it before because it features pretty revolves pretty heavily around the character of Toad, um, and so there's a lot of uh frogs and stuff um in the drawing adaptations and the illustrated adaptations of it um and i just remember seeing an image for arc early on and i was like is this gonna be a frog fantasy <laughs> um but it's not that it's something even weirder which i am super into and the art is lovely looking at the kickstarter page you've got like foot like black um uh pages with these really kind of subtle i guess subtle might not be the right word but the colors really stand out against that black even though they are very earthy tones uh in terms of the mm. color palette and i think that the art is just, uh, the art direction for arc is uh, looking amazing um from what i have seen um where uh better question who are the artists that are working on ARC so far? Um, it's the, For the core book, it's me. So everything in the Kickstarter page has been my work. But we did get um, really talented illustrators for Stretch Goals teams. And all of them are actually members of the Philippines uh, first and only group for uh, children's art illustrations. Oh, wow. There you go. Um, <laughs> it's very... It's very exciting to have the game designer also be the artist. I really wish that I had uh, invested more <laughs> effort in uh, in becoming an illustrator younger in life because, goddamn, that'd be an awesome skill to have now. <laughs> Only there was a way to illustrate a uh, illustrate a book with woodworking because uh, I can do woodworking. Um, but what ha have you felt that? having that skill of illustration and illustration i guess is the word i'm going to use um have you felt that as as giving you an advantage i would say hmm, i think yes it does but not so much in the in the technical sense like in the, in the muscular sense that my my hands have developed their muscles because i i love to do a lot during high school but more in the sense of having an idea of what mm. it takes to illustrate or evoke a scene because sometimes words don't cut it um but if you're used to illustration especially um concept art or editorial art you start developing like the the discipline to transform those words into how it can look visually in your mind's eye so i feel like that's been really helpful and i think it's such a, a great skill even if you are not technically um, proficient with the actual execution of the art, 
knowing how to translate your concept into something visual can help you strengthen your writing as well because that means you can start writing more about that aspect. Yeah, wow, that's an amazing uh, insight. And I hadn't even considered that aspect of it. Um, like I was mostly just thinking of the like, oh, you don't have to hire an illustrator necessarily. <laughs> um, uh, oh, that's, that's definitely real though. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. Um, but I guess like kind of a follow-up question then is um, do you feel like you let me frame it this way is there anything that in your work as a game maker that you feel you are lacking and really want to try and develop more i know that for myself i uh struggle with creating tools to help people run games because mm -hmm. that's something i'm i'm pretty good at running games um and so it's hard for me i think that that actually hinders me in creating tools to help others because i'm like i don't know just run the game and you'll work it out that's not helpful <laughs> advice necessarily um do you feel like there's a a place where you'd like to improve as a game maker mm -hmm. um i think for me something that i would really um like to improve is being able to design for a longer term play Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, something like that, when you start designing for uh, many multiple sessions, like more than seven, I would say, the, the math gets more complex. There's a need for making sure that the experience is sustainable. And so far in my game design experience, I feel I've gotten quite good at designing very concentrated or very um, condensed kinds of experiences but making sure that you can keep up the pace and the excitement over a long-term play is something i really really love to improve yeah that's really good and like that's like an excellent insight too and another aspect of that being that it's hard to play test for mm. that as well obviously because yeah of just the time commitment angle right like if you want to make a game that can be played for 25 sessions if you want to test that and double check that it can be played for 25 <laughs> sessions that means you have to yeah. try and play 25 sessions even if you don't make it that far into your time commitment that you still have to like that's still a big amount of time and i think probably there's a few people listening that are like oh i've been playing the same game for like four years every every week and it's like yeah man that is not my experience i play i play like six session campaigns generally is like my max um mm -hmm. uh but yeah uh what is the kind of longevity of arc that you feel like what would you feel is a good what would you feel is a minimum amount of sessions to get a good sense of the game and what do you Ooh. feel it, where do you feel like play might start to break down or even i guess because you've got the doomsday clock right is there a hard barrier mm -hmm. to how long that clock can run like will the clock eventually does the clock force the hand in terms of basic mm -hmm. uh, in terms of like ideal length um i've i've had a couple of play experiences that were only like three hours three hours long and that one is well enough to already start getting a feel of the game um in fact maybe even two hours if you're super super um 
careful about your time, you can already get a good feel of the game. Um, I would say maybe after five sessions or after six sessions, it's going to start visibly not being quite so um, as enjoyable as it is if it were tightly paced. For that one, I haven't had playtests running longer than those, so it's an unknown variable so far. Mm-hmm. But the I can already sense even from like a theoretical point of view that the things like the advancement of character skills is not quite robust to support anything for really, really long-term play. One thing though that the, the book notes is that if your story ends, if your session ends, you can use the world and story you've built up as the basis for the next adventure. Mm-hmm. So from there, it's like instead of having one super long arc it's multiple shorter arcs that keep building upon the world and the past apocalypses that you've either prevented or have inadvertently caused yeah and and to many people that run a lot of games that might seem like an obvious thing to do but there aren't that many games that explicitly tell you to do that um And I think that there is great power in being explicit about what you want uh, a game to do and what you are giving permission for. Um, And just by saying, hey, you can use this as a jumping off point for another game uh, when you're done. I think that that is going to create uh, new ideas and actually might lead to more people playing shorter games more frequently if that makes sense because they're like oh well we can just chain these together into a kind of true detective-esque medicine (laughs) um god yeah um cool i guess my next question what do characters look like in in arc and how do you go about um creating them and what kind of ideas do you ask people to bring to the table Hmm. Uh, so character creation is actually uh, a bit, I would say, fun for me uh, because it, it can be fairly fast. You can actually pick random roles for every stat. And I feel like the majority of people I've encountered really love that random rolling aspect. But it is basically just bring an idea to the table and the skills and the, the stats that are called approaches are really flexible enough to accommodate your idea so basically the major stats are your your health stats which is the blood and guts but there's also the (laughs) there's also the the usual skills which include um tinkering or academic but there's also the approaches which dictate how do you solve problems do you solve them creatively carefully or in a concerted way and this kind of loose framework makes it easy to really bring your character to life and you can add on some really interesting starting inventory items, which could even be things like a very well-defined vocabulary or a sword or a mirror that always shows shadowy beings or a yak. <laughs> I love the idea of, first of all, I love approaches as a thing where it's like, rather than like, oh, you're strong or whatever, it's like, you're this is how your character tries to solve problems. These are the tools you have. So rather than saying my character is strong, it's saying like my character has a hammer. And when you have a hammer, you often, (laughs) um, 
uh, right? Like that kind of that that's sort of what I feel like approaches uh, do. And and mm. unlike unlike more unlike things like strength or whatever, um, which is also fine. Sometimes that works. Uh, rather than trying to, I think you have more freedom with approaches in trying to justify your use, right? Because oh, yeah. you don't care as much about whether it's an effective uh solve it's like yeah but that's my approach my approach is to is to be um uh what a word uh pig-headed i i am i'm too i'm too dumb uh to surrender so i keep bashing my head against uh and trying to break through um but also i love the other thing you mentioned about um the inventory and the idea of an a starting inventory of things that aren't necessarily stuff like having a starting having a starting inventory that says a you know a well-defined vocabulary that's that's amazing that's that's like um once in a game that we were playing of my mech game the players got into a fight and one of the options you can use when you attack someone with violence is to um, the, it just says one of the options you can choose is take something from them. And one mm. of the players said, can I take their pride? And I'm like, of course you can take their pride. How do you clown on them and make them look a fool in front of everyone? <laughs> and I believe in the end they were like, yeah, I ref I have them dead to rights and I refuse to kill them. I turn my back and walk away and they try to stab me in the back and I stop them at the last minute, but everyone's seen the kind of man they are that they would stab someone who had shown them mercy, um, which was a great way to take, uh, take something from them, take their pride. Um, so that sort of a thing of like, oh, you have a well-defined vocabulary. It's like, oh, what the, f like putting things into the inventory that are not items, I think is so inspired. Ah, uh, creating <laughs> that space. Ah, oh, ah, oh, yeah. I love it. I love every minute of it. Uh, you also mentioned a yak with glee. Is there a story there? Well, um, one of the one of the things that I was trying to play test was um, convincing my coworker to play it with me. And the thing that finally tipped her to agree was me saying that she could get a yak for her character. So it's one of the starting inventories now. <laughs> oh man, that's so good. Yeah, I I I definitely could see that thing. There's always I think I don't think there's one in every play group, but I definitely think there's one in every like collection of players you know um mm -hmm. there, there's definitely a player i know where you like mention oh yeah can, you can have like a weird dinosaur pet they'd be like oh fuck well now i want to play <laughs> and, like they're not interested in the game at all before that point but now they know that there's the potential for a dinosaur pet that they, they'll jump in um and it is it's always fun seeing the kinds of things that will make people like change their tune about something uh, yeah, you can pet the dog. It's like, oh fuck! Well, now I'm gonna play it. It's like, but it's a horror game. You hate horror games. It's like, I don't care. If you can pet a yak, I'm playing. Um, <laughs> Excellent. Uh, oh man, um, that's just fantastic. I love, um, I love it. I love everything about it. Um, so, 
how have you found the Kickstarter process? Has this? I don't think this is your first Kickstarter, is it? You've run other ones before, or am I missing? I haven't run. Um, I've just oh, been wow. involved with stretch goals in other Kickstarters, but this is the first time that's where I'm a really active part of it. Right, because Philippines and Kickstarter, presumably. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So we've talked about this before on the show, but uh, it's really difficult to access as a creator kickstarter from many countries around the world but in particular the philippines because i often well not often but i've talked to a few people from the philippines on the mm -hmm. show um and even mentioned that aspect in an interview that i did recently um but um so what has it been like running your first kickstarter how have you how have you felt <laughs> in that regard what was the experience oh, like so oh, far no. <laughs> obviously you're only part way through i often hear people talk about how anxiety inducing it is <laughs> well, um, one thing that really sticks out to my mind is my friend saying, Mameros, uh, you have to prepare your updates ahead of time because this is gonna, <laughs> this is gonna find fast. And I'm like, eh, it's probably gonna take a day or two. <laughs> I need to focus more on finishing other stuff. And then when the Kickstarter finally happens, I refresh the page and we're almost there and we find in like, uh 20 20 something minutes i think it says 23 on the sticker oh, that they gosh, put on the your 23. yeah yeah i think it says 23 because kickstarter i think kickstarter puts those on two pages right when they hit that or is that so i don't know anyway 23 is what it says <laughs> 23 and my partner was like um i went to the bathroom and then when i came out the stretch goals were funded yeah damn hot damn <laughs> yeah, so yeah. your friend, your maybe your friend was right. Maybe you should have, uh, should have laid out those, those updates beforehand. Um, <laughs> but that's so amazing to fund uh, that quickly, and obviously that speaks to one that speaks to your hard work. Two, it speaks to the quality of your work, and three, it speaks to the fact that uh, a lot of the traditional ideas about money in regards to uh, role playing game creation are lies <laughs> like the idea that you need to hit like a certain level of mass marketability in order to in order to make something in order for it to make money that you know there's no money outside of like large large mm. companies we say large not that large mm. they're just large relative to us uh companies and things like that and it's just or you know people don't want to pay for indie games it's, like, it's not true it's not true it's demonstratively yeah not true uh you make something that really stands out and you get the word out about it and you find that audience of people that are excited and you can do an amazing thing like this um mm -hmm. i think it really speaks to your hard work um would would you offer any this is kind of a curveball i don't think i've ever asked this before would you offer any advice uh, to uh, two people that are looking to run a kickstarter for the first time mm. um yeah, I think I actually do because um, during the Kickstarter, I've been like keeping mental notes of like, these are some things that were working well for me and it might be good to share this later to fellow RPGC designers or even people who are looking into starting their own Kickstarter. I think the, the big things that were really high impact for me was making sure that I had a website up. 
uh, even, so that even before the Kickstarter launches, people could already have a feel for the campaign and you could start even building a mailing list or a follower that you could establish really healthy, positive um, connections with. And having that kind of support even early on, because I had a, a platform for communicating to them, meant that at the beginning of the Kickstarter, a lot of people followed and of those followers, a lot of people backed immediately on the very first day, which really helped, um, I guess, the algorithm and also was a really great confidence boost for the team. And aside from that, just, I guess, nourish connections with people. Um, something I always see is like, how do I market? How do I convert them into backers? Um, I've been especially privileged because um, I... I guess I can focus more on just being genuine and just treating people as really cool <laughs> contacts that I would have never met otherwise if not for this Kickstarter. So I feel like sometimes just taking a step back and looking at people not in terms of consumers, but just, you know, people <laughs> has been really healthy for me as well. Yeah, I mean, the way that I heard about your Kickstarter was through um, Pamu. Um, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. on on uh, on what's that website we're all on Twitter <laughs> <laughs> that, website. Uh, that website that everybody on the planet uses uh, yeah Twitter <laughs> um, uh, yeah and obviously knowing them through our discords that we've been in together and uh, and uh, and things like that and so I was like oh well if they're mentioning it then it's probably going to be good gear and i need to check it out so uh, i was very excited uh to to uh interview you um what is something about arc that you never get asked about and if you don't have an answer to that question i will <laughs> ask a different one. <laughs> oh, oh that's a really tough question because i, I have been talking about arc a lot and <laughs> and mm -hmm. we've gone over mechanics even like aesthetics i think Something that people haven't yet asked me about is, oh, like how many versions it's been through. <laughs> I don't oh, think yeah. anybody has really touched what's upon that the, yet. What's the iterative process of Archibald like? Because I know that just working <laughs> on working on my PBTA mech game, I've that mm -hmm. started as a lasers and feelings hack, and I was gonna knock that out in like an afternoon, and then I quickly <laughs> realized, ah, oh, fuck. This is going to be a PBTA game. And then I thought I was like so close to being ready for like a beta playtest. And then I, and then I did one playtest. It was like, oh fuck, there's like years of more work that I need to do. And here we are like four <laughs> or five years later and it's not even ready for Kickstarter. Oh, yeah. Yet. I'm not yeah. even done with the, with argue. I've not even finished the manuscript. So I am, <laughs> 100%. How many iterations have you gone through and what have those iterations looked like? like what, did, how did, what did the project start out? Yeah. Um, so it was originally like a 50-page a um, A5 stapled, <laughs> hand-stapled booklet that I finished um, 2019 because there was going to be a convention mm -hmm. in our city and I wanted to produce something. 
<laughs> that would be nice to show off there. So I, I made the game and I was also really interested in exploring some mechanics. So it felt like a, a really nice casual project. Let's put some of my old art there in public domain art. Um, but then um, Exalted Funeral, who had been already paying attention to the, um, I guess, beginnings of RPGC back then and the indie scene even in my country, um, was interested in it. So they they asked to work with me. And originally, I had like a consultation <laughs> sessions with um, Luca, who was behind uh, UVG. And from there, I, I realized that I needed to massively change up some things because there were some really good points that made me realize huh I, I added these mechanics but I actually wasn't sure if they were adding to the experience so I think at that point that was definitely version one and then from 2020 to today it's been like version 1.1 1.1.1 1 1.2 and all of the so many trailing digits because I would incrementally updated over the following mm. months in this really long um google docs yep. that would um that would basically dominate my mind sometimes even during the day job but yep. um eventually there was a point where hey we, we need to edit this so i had to say oh fine i'll stop tweaking it and throughout that process there's been um play tests and there's also been uh some people looking at it from time to time and slowly it's basically built up until its current state yeah wow amazing like um the thing you said about the google doc is like true like if i counted like <laughs> uh if i counted key revisions in the sense of like <laughs> this this mechanic has been changed and that has flow-on effects to other things probably like 10 20 revisions but i only like make a new version of the document when i have to like go back and delete a bunch of things or archive it so i've only listed five versions <laughs> even though <laughs> i've rewritten so much and like yeah so many things and obviously yeah that's not even getting on to like all the other projects that i work on at the same time because i have adhd um uh yeah amazing amazing stuff and so obviously you're smashing stretch goals and you're you know getting very amazing uh funding levels um uh what uh are there any more stretch goals left to hit or have you smashed them all <laughs> out let's let's have a check let's have a yeah, look we at the do website. have um we have unlocked basically all of the content uh stretch goals but there is one last at 70k which is the ultimate community goal of 100 soft cover community copies. Yeah, wow. Whoa, hang on, hang on, back, back it up a second. <laughs> that didn't click in my head properly. I heard community copies. I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And then I was like, hang on, hang on, hang on. You're talking about <laughs> physical community copies. We are talking about physical community copies. That's yes. amazing. So for those that don't know, community <laughs> copies are like a thing that started in RPGs recently and probably evolved out of a bunch of older ID, uh, ideas in the indie RPG scene about like, how do we address the fact that many of us are poor and come from poor backgrounds? These things cost us money to produce, but also we want people to be able to access them when they're in dis from disadvantaged communities. And so the ways that we've tried to fix that in the past have been giving away some of your work for free, regularly doing sales where everything is 
massively discounted, um, uh, putting pay what you want on stuff. And then a new thing came about called community copies, where every time someone buys uh, the game, this is normally how it works, doesn't have to work like this, but there's some sort of thing that you can do to generate new copies by like paying the author or something, um, even just buying a copy of the game. And then that creates free copies for other people. Now, some people just do the community copies at random, like, oh, I just reset it. So there's now more and other people tie it to sales. That's what I have on my website. Um, but I have never, these are normally <laughs> digital, right? PDF copies yeah, of yeah. game. I've never heard of someone doing, and I don't know if you're necessarily the first, but I've never heard of anyone doing physical community copies. That is amazing. Um, Yeah, tell me more if there's more. (laughs) So it was actually um, Exalted Funeral who came up with this idea, which they called the unthinkable, because it is a community uh, stretch goal. That will basically make sure that not just the digital, but the PDF, that the actual physical book will be um, available to people um, who are under hardship or who need a copy of the game. And it's it's a really wild idea because I also don't think other games have done it. Uh, even but even though in terms of like the soft version, the digital version rewards. Practically all of our tiers unlock a community copy. So actually, I think we're at 1,000 plus PDF community copies already. So I think it only makes sense to push it to the next level and think about what if community copies with physical. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, the only reason that I don't do that is because I don't do physical copies. Like, if you want a physical copy, you can come to a zine fair that I'm at, which is maybe once yeah. a year. Um <laughs> But I do do trades when I do zine fairs, so um, people can trade something to me. Um, I had a, someone trade, I think a kid traded like a little plastic figurine that they'd gotten in like a kinder surprise mm. uh, to me. So essentially not worthless, but does not have monetary value, right? And I was like, yeah, here you go. Have a zine that I normally sell for $15, like by all means, because like it meant something to that kid, right? Um, mm. And so, but yeah, wow, physical community copies. I don't know why I never thought of that. That's so obvious in retrospect. It would be interesting <laughs> to see, like, clearly um, you're not directly influenced by anyone else on that regard in terms of like, it's not, oh, this person did it first or whatever, but I wouldn't be surprised if someone else has done it and just haven't heard of it. Um, uh, but also maybe they haven't, in which case you could, in fact, be the first, which is very cool. Um, I, yeah, very excited to see more physical copies uh, stuff. Um, yeah, wow. Um, so where can people find out more about your work? Obviously, they can check out the ARC Kickstarter, but if they want to see your other games, Capybara games... Or if they just want to find out more about you as a creator, where can they do that online? Right. So if you need to learn more about me, I'm just extremely active on Twitter. It's just at Momatos. Um, I do also have a website slash portfolio, um, momatos.com. Although currently it's undergoing some technical difficulties. So please check back in again as soon as it's all cleared to go. But yeah, um, Twitter would be the best place to reach me. Yeah, fantastic. And we'll have links to all of those down below, even the potentially glitchy website. 
um, so you can check and see if it's working. Um, please go and su uh, support the Kickstarter. Um, there's a link to that down below. It should be super obvious. Um, and if not, just search for Arc Kickstarter. It'll come up, I'm sure. Yeah, it came up. I literally typed in Arc, A-R-C, and Kickstarter, and it's the first result. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, it's been amazing. If you enjoyed listening to this interview, you can find others uh, with other RPGC uh, creators and other game designers in general. Um, just click on the interview tab. Uh, if you're on SoundCloud, there's a playlist of all the interviews. Um, it's been a joy to have you on. I hope that uh, I hope that you all enjoyed listening. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, farewell from the past. I'm Ray. <laughs>